Welcome everyone. You are listening to the I Am a Spartan podcast with your host, Scott Knowles. Enjoy the show. It will probably suck. <laughs> Scott the Fane Knowles and you're listening to another episode of I'm Spartan OCR podcast. Awesome guest Ryan Woods. Um, it's a cool interview. It goes kind of long but it's worth listening to. I guarantee. Hope you enjoy it. What up Ryan? How you doing today man? That's a beautiful morning. I'm doing great. I hear you. I hear you. So, Ryan, we're going to talk to you a little bit today, man, about how you are owning the point series right now in Spartan. Um, but yeah. before we talk about that, man, tell us a little bit about yourself, like, you know, where you live in, what you do for a living, and how you got into OCR. Um, well, I'm 39. I'm a chiropractor in Boone, North Carolina, uh, and I've been a runner my whole life. Uh, and then a few years back, I, I saw the Spartan TV show, which no longer exists, which is kind of sad, but saw the show and I'm like, yeah, I can do that. I'm always like the guy on the couch that does, you know, watches American Ninja Warrior and I'm like, that looks easy. And then, yeah. uh, so I actually gave it a try, uh, and, uh, struggled early on. It wasn't strong enough, but I've really put the pieces of the puzzle together and figured out how to be a good obstacle racer. Right. So, and. I, I've, I looked at your Athlinks account and all, and but even before that, uh, I noticed looking back in like the 2014, like the original NBC races, you're towing the line back then, so you've, you're you you're an OG, right? Yeah, I, that was like my first year doing it, and uh, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't bad back then, like, I would actually, some of the races I'd be leading, and then you just get to like the heavy carry, and I remember like Montana in 2015, like, I was just so broken down at the end. It was a short bucket. I mean, it probably, I mean, it probably was 150 yards at most. And I had to put it down like three or four times. And then the next obstacle was a Hercules, and I failed it, you know. And, mm. and I mean, there were things that I could do at, at like normal races. And then you get to the big NBC races, and they just kept getting heavier and longer. And I kept getting stronger, but they just keep breaking me down. But, I mean, I think that day I was like eight, you know, so it wasn't. That was my first uh, NBC series race, so I, I knew like at that point I, I could compete to win. Uh, I, I didn't think it would take uh, three years to get my first uh, series win. So, hmm. So, um, you said you're a chiropractor, right? And don't you like don't you own your own practice, right? Yeah, I, I actually came back home uh, up here to Boone uh, after I graduated. Um, chiropractic school in florida and did the uh the hardest thing you know which is opening up on your own and right and trying to build a practice and uh those early years were struggles but you know it's gotten pretty good uh, you know in the last five six years and steadier and steadier and i'm really uh glad i made that decision you know it's a, it's a good job it's a good career i can make my own hours i take three hours out of every day at lunch to train uh i mean i get that sort of flexibility, which is, which really makes, you know, doing obstacle racing and just running in general, you know, any sort of racing, uh, you know, plausible, makes it fun, makes it doable. 
right? And and so and I went to your website and looked at your chiropractic place and uh um and you were talking about like being a runner and being an athlete because your business is called Marathon Chiropractic. But how does chiropractic services like benefit, say, like a runner, you know, because I'll be honest with you, you know, I've, I've been to a chiropractor a couple of times, but I usually always thought you went to a chiropractor when you were having like a bad back problem or a neck problem or something like that. That's, that's the general, what chiropractic is, bad back, neck, you know, that's what everyone associates us with. Well, I got into chiropractic in college, actually, uh, uh, had IT band syndrome, and it was my senior year of cross country, and I was one of our top guys. We were, you know, we finished in the top 10 in the nation, so uh, we were trying to get me healthy, and, and so our coach, we were in NC State in Raleigh, and our coach sent me up to a guy in Fairfax, Virginia, who uh, sent a couple of our injured athletes to before, and uh, uh, we didn't know what he was. We, we all referred to him as a witch doctor, but Went up there and he did uh, some techniques, which I've picked up over the years, soft tissue techniques, uh, grafting, some ART, some laser, stuff like that on my IT van. And I was running, at, you know, one treatment was just painful as hell. I was all bruised up, but I was running that afternoon. He did another one the next day, which, you know, made me cry, but yeah. it was gone after that. And so um, that's, you know, I wanted to focus more a little bit on, on the soft tissue stuff because that's what got me into chiropractic. Uh, so, you know, and, and working more with athletes, because we get a lot of seasonal people uh, in the summer coming up to do uh, lots of biking training, uh, lots of uh, uh, running training, there's a professional team up here and stuff, so I wanted to work, you know, more with athletes to make the soft tissue component of, of what I do uh, known, because that's what brought me into the sport. So we do grass and ART, uh, lots of, uh, you know, other physical therapy uh, modalities. Uh, as, as part of the office as well, so we see a lot of athletes, which is which is really cool. I like working with them. And so, and yeah, a lot of times, you know, it, it is a soft, you know, tissue issue when you're when you're in running. You know, most of the time, that's going to be your first injury you get. Because I suffered with IT band syndrome real early on, and I remember yeah. I went to, I went to the doctor about it, and you know, the first thing they do is, well, let's do an X-ray. We don't see anything on the X-ray. Let's get you an MRI, no. and then you've done spent tons oh, of money. Man. Yeah, and I don't even know why you'd want to do an MRI for IT syndrome. I mean, there's no, like, medical intervention to do next. Usually, you know, usually you go uh, to your, your primary care doctor with a uh, running type of injury, and you, your only fix is uh, some anti-inflammatories, so maybe muscle relaxers. And really, it's just, you know, hoping that it calms down enough that it gets good for you. It doesn't correct anything. And if you can go back enough and enough, you, you know, they might do something surgical uh, if there is something they can do, which really isn't a great fix either, you know. So uh, there isn't a whole lot in the primary care medical model uh, that is helpful or treating, um, you know, soft tissue running type injuries, athletic type injuries, your CrossFit type injuries. Uh, you know, that you know, there's not a whole lot in between surgery and anti-inflammatories, and that's where someone, you know, like a chiropractor or a physical therapist or a massage therapist, that's kind of where we spend uh, our time is, is that in between, you know, getting somebody better uh, without uh, or with anti-inflammatories, but, you know, you know, giving them an option besides, you know, sitting out and waiting a couple weeks to months to get better. Right. So, you know, everybody knows that you're pretty fast, you know, or, or really fast. So, 
I, I was looking through all your athletes races and everything, and I saw you got first place in Battle Frog, Tough Mother, Savage Race, Spartan Races, but I come across a first place win at a race called the Moe's Burrito Dash. Yeah. That's 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 one of my I hang my hat on that one. That's uh that was a that was a good one. So that uh I won it one year and then I mean it was it was bringing out this loaded deal. They offer two thousand dollars to the winner. That's a good and top it a, prize. It, it was yeah, it was a good top prize. So it brought out like all the top guys in the region. And you ran a mile and a half one year, two one year's two miles, and then ate a burrito, a Mo's burrito, and then had to go finish. So it was all part of your overall time. Um, the year I won it, I was pretty fit, and I, uh, they had the Moe's burrito station at the two-mile mark, and I think I ran, like, 15.57. I was sub-16 that day. Um, That's insane. The burrito, I think my burrito split was, was like, around a, uh, around a minute or so, and I, <laughs> and I crushed that last mile, man. I was, like, 4.42 <laughs> on the walk for the last mile with a burrito in my stomach, so, yeah, I mean, that was a, that was a challenge, uh. You know, you, you got there for the first time, you're starting to eat this burrito. You don't train like that. Yeah. And uh, you put it in your mouth, and you take a bite, and you just run two miles hard. Yeah, so you're there. trying to you're breathe and eat at the same time. Breathe and eat, and you don't have any saliva. So, like, I ended up, you know, taking a bite and then a sip of water, and I was just swallowing dry bites <laughs> like they were a handful of pills, you know, like bite, swallow, bite, swallow. And, and I got in and out of there pretty quick. I think I got there with a pack of three guys. Uh, in the lead and, and left with about a five-second lead, and I just kind of opened it up from there. I know, because I saw that, and I was like, whoa, that sounds like a race I'd be into. But what's so sad about it is this was kind of like just a, a like a local deal race, and they were paying out two grand. And, man, you got to be freaking, like, badass to get a payout that big in Spartan, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, the Spartan doesn't have a, you know, they got the National Series, but there isn't a... I always felt like Spartans should do a little bit more. If they wanted to get the sport, uh, to get more athletes in the sport, they need to have more prize money in, in all their regional events. They should do something along the lines of Savage. Because it's hard for anyone who's an established runner to, to get started into Spartan because it costs all this money to do one oh, event. Yeah. And if you finish second in that event, you, you basically, all you did was break even. You know, it should be, oh, yeah. you know, a thousand five hundred two fifty, and then you're going to start getting more people coming over. And, and if they get third, you know they still made a little bit of money as opposed to the two hundred second. And then that, then that's where they start realizing, all right, there can be more money in the sport. I think the U.S. Series they did a good job this year adding depth to it. Right. That was always I felt like an issue before. Last year I finished fifth twice, and that paid a hundred bucks, and you're just like. <laughs> Like, this is, like, a huge effort against an incredible field, and I'm walking away with, you're giving me a $100 check, it's almost insulting, you know? Yeah, because so, your rental car alone probably costs more than that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, you're, you're not, you, there's no hopes of making money in the series. Um, yeah. But now, you know, fifth place, I think it's like, I don't know, 600 bucks. I'm guessing. Hey, that's pretty uh, good. That is better. Yeah, and the money goes 10 deep, so that it, it builds depth in the national series, but... You know, they threw them all on the West Coast to get Facebook Live viewers, so they kind of, you know, that good that they did was kind of undone because now none of the guys on the East Coast are doing the series. Uh, but, I mean, I think if they really wanted to develop, you know, uh, a depth of competition, you put more money in all the everyday Spartan races, and then you're going to get more and more people coming out. 
the more people that are coming out that are, you know, they're going to build their skills. You're going to see, you know, a quality uh, depth of field. Whereas right now, you know, it, it kind of, you kind of got your, your top uh, echelon of guys and then you've got, you know, a bit of a gap down. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, the trickle down isn't all that much. You're seeing the same guys in the top 10, 15 at every one of these national series races. Yeah. And, and when you think about it, you know, the payout versus what it costs to do these races, like even if you buy the annual pass, the annual pass was over a grand this Thousand year, you bucks, know. Yeah. It's like doubled in price over the past few years. So, you yeah, know, it, it does getting, make it difficult. You're not, you're not getting much more in return for it. I bought Katie a pass, uh, yeah, two years ago when she was still kind of interested in doing this stuff, 2015 yeah. maybe. And, I mean, it only because it was, you know, it was reasonable. But now, like... No way. All right, man. So tell us a little bit about how the Chicago race went. You know, I watched the whole race on the live feed, but I guess they were having trouble with like cell phone tower there. So none of the, you know, the the recorders that were running with them, you couldn't tell what was going on, but props to the dude that was, uh, you know, flying the drones because he was, you know, he, he he had his job cut out for him and he did a good job, but I mean, it was so yeah. far away, you could just barely tell. But I could totally see where you kind of like missed a turn and you had to cut through the corn. <laughs> yeah. That and was pretty funny. It was right after that, too, where I ran past the plate drag. I don't know what they were thinking. They're like, let's hide a plate drag in three foot tall corn. And I mean, I guess the volunteer wasn't ready. He didn't say anything that I was running by a plate drag, but there was no way to have seen it without somebody pointing it out. You could even see. When Mark approached it after I was kind of like wandering through the corn to get to it, that he went, to, I went to the first, uh, the last one that was men's, you know, when he finally said, well, end of men's, and he went, you know, just right beside me, and that was women's, and he had no idea because you couldn't see the other end of it. Right. It was kind of a, a wild sequence of events, you know. I think, uh, I think Steve Hammond would never have allowed that on one of his courses, you know. I'll, yeah. I'll say that. He does such a good job of marking courses to, to you know, have a, an easy wrong turn and a hidden obstacle, you know, you, you can always trust the trail master out there. But, um, no, the race was, you know, it was super muddy and, and it was, a, uh, it was kind of, I mean, yeah, I was moving fast, but, you know, I looked at my watch at five miles in and I was right at 35 minutes to touch under. So I realized wow. I was going seven minute miles, but you know, <laughs> so it, it was kind of fast, but when, think about it had the course been just bone dry uh with the couple of obstacles we'd seen at that point i probably would have been running 530 pace you know on that type of course so it, it slowed you down the mud did uh tremendously and it was just it was a constant grind you're just constantly digging trying to get footing you know we're looking and evaluating every every track of land to see yeah. all right is, is a tire track going to be where you want to be do you want right. to be up in the corn like it was it was just relentless mud, and I don't think uh, unless you've done that course, I mean, you can talk about. Were you at Charlotte this year? Yeah, I talked to you there. Yeah, remember? So think about uh, think about day two at Charlotte, where it's like freezing how, cold. Like, yeah, it was freezing cold, but it was just sloppy, muddy. But even that mud was was soft. You know, yes, uh, this was just like you would step and you would sink like three inches in it, and then uh, and then. You know, you want to, you would just be doing that every single step, just sinking, sinking. And then wow. maybe if you're lucky, you'd find something where you'd only sink a little bit. But it was, uh, it, it's hard to describe how bad and how uh, deep that mud was. 
Yeah, because that'll like wear you down too, you know, when you're constantly running through mud. But would you come to like places where it would be kind of like drier and it would, you know, you'd have like a, a hole there and it'd be easier, easy to kind of roll your ankle too? No, I mean, so I sprained my ankle, uh, tweaked it in Minnesota, and I was kind of worried about that. Um, it was, the ground was so soft. Wow. You, I mean, it actually wasn't a problem for the ankle because you never hit anything hard. Um, there were some, there were some sections on the back half of the course where you were kind of in, in uh, grass uh, that held up really well. It was kind of, uh, I'm not sure, it was like where the paintball zones were, and you'd be on grass in some sections there where it was just, you know, it was fine and you could run through that. But that was maybe like... I mean, at most a quarter of the course, a third of the course. Uh, most of it was either just sloppy or, or just sloppier. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I remember it when in Durham Town, where they don't even they don't even do it there anymore. In 2015, it rained that whole week, and then you know the day of the race, it even rained, and it just it was like you were running down a muddy dirt road the whole race. It was it was pretty intense. That was the muddiest race I ever did. Yeah, and it's got to be, it's almost got to be the exact right conditions like that, too, to make it that funny, you know, and, and I mean, you know, it makes it tough for them to prepare the course, you know, I, you wonder if all the rain that was there that week, if that's why, you know, they didn't, they didn't get out and test the, the they had the guys out there running with us who should have given them lots of great video, but they didn't have cell phone reception or good enough yeah. to, to, I mean, you would have thought that that'd be something they would have been testing throughout the week, but when it's that rainy and that muddy, yeah. and you're, you're, you know, the accessibility on the course, you know, you, they just, you know, what can you do? Like, you can't get, you can get out there and, and test stuff like that. Yeah, I know, man, they did, a, the, like, the to me, the best live race to this point was uh, Big Bear. They did a great job doing the live feed at that race. It was, uh, it was great. Yeah, they had great coverage. The commentary was a little bit off, but the yeah. coverage was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, if you could have combined that with, you know the commentary of you know Majita or Boone or any of those guys. Like that would have been that would have been a really good a uh, good one. Yeah, they they've struggled this year. They've switched to the the iPhones and it's just really inconsistent. You know, whereas I think uh, you know even if if it's going to be that bad, you think you know, getting the cameras out there on the course and just leaving them at some of the obstacles and obstacle gauntlets would be a better option because at least you get good footage. But if it's only drone and uh, it boy man it's it's just not much to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. I mean, you can, and even the commentators are like, well, that looks like it might be Ryan there. And, and they're like, oh, no, that's Mark. And, you know. <laughs> Poor Mark. Yeah. He, did a, he, had, he had an incredible race. Uh, he, uh, he, was, he, was, he was just right there flying the whole time. So I'm glad he got on the podium. That was his first uh, National Series podium, and, and he, he definitely earned it. Oh, yeah, man, because, I mean, the field was stacked that day, you know, and yeah. a lot of guys had some bad races that day. I want to say, well, yeah, what, what Killian, Killian was like in, what, 10th or 15th or so? He was back. 15th, yeah, and he was still ahead of Onhill. Um, wow. Yeah, you know, and, and the, the FSU Ryans, Ken Atkins, I mean, they were 6th and 7th. Uh, Atkins had a heel injury going in, so I knew, yeah. uh, he wasn't actually going to, do all that well once I, I saw him for the race and he put in a, a big heel lift a rubbery heel lift in his shoe and I was like oh man that's that's not a good sign he's hurting yeah. so he did pretty incredible considering that but uh yeah no I, that was actually you know talking about 
uh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna shift gears here when you talk about the series. That was a, a, a fortunate break for me. Yeah, uh, I had a good race, man. I like you could see from the gun. I was the first person in the lead. I don't know why. I think I just got better footing than everyone around me. And I mean, the only time I wasn't in the lead is when BJ passed me after the twister. Um, I, I went to one where every single one of the rungs was was vertical on the other end, so I didn't keep swinging through and reaching up to get it. But yeah. uh, you know, for me to win that race and have Atkins and and Kent finish six and seven versus guys, that uh, that's actually given me a huge gap in the series. Yeah. And, uh, uh, man, I, you know, Atkins has no chance of beating me now, and uh, Brian Kent... He's the only he one, right? The, he's the only one, and he has to get the same results from Seattle, where he has to win, first of all. If he finishes second, then I win the series. And then uh, I have to finish fifth place or lower for him to, to win if he wins. So, going into Utah, man, I'm, a, I'm, in, I'm in the driver's seat, uh, Capper's seat, you know, I've got a... I've got a... I've got a um, pretty easy path you know i i could still mess it up but i feel really good about where i'm at and that's cody's backyard and he tends to do pretty good at that race too yeah yeah i'm gonna i haven't started to kind of looking into that race but it looks like it's got some elevation you know maybe around 2000 feet which is yeah it's perfect for me and usually ryan ken struggles with that too so you know in terms of wrapping up the series like i think it plays into into my strong uh strong uh suits so uh, yeah, we'll see see how it ends up. Yeah, because the incline, he struggled with the incline at Big Bear for sure. You could tell it right yeah, from Big the Bear, get-go. Big Bear was crazy, man. I, I've never done uh, the course with that steep a grade for that long. I was not actually prepared for that. That was really uh, a tough course. I know that one long grade where you and Ryan were pretty much just fighting for first, man. It just looks so extremely steep, even for watching it on TV. And I know that doesn't even do it any justice. That hill looked insane. It, it was, I mean, if it had been a, you know, a couple degrees deeper, you'd have been on all fours. I mean, it was, it was so close to it the entire way. Uh, it was, it was, it, it, it kind of was tough for me because it was steep enough of a grade that, you just couldn't run it, so it was all power hiking. So uh, I think uh, my advantage on the uphills kind of got got washed out a bit because we were all just power hiking every single bit of the uphill. And then an Atkins and onhill just such good downhill runners that they just yeah put me put me away. Yeah, that was a good race for onhill. <clears throat> so I mean, given all the mud and all, and I know y'all are all the first ones to go through the obstacles. Um, you you only failed the tire, right? Yeah, it was yeah, a, just the tire. The best we can And the tire, tell. the tire was one of those things too. Uh, you know, the day before was out there right at the open house starting, and just uh, looked at it, picked it up, it was fine. But uh, by the end of the day, uh, Scott, you know, Neon was uh, messaging me, and he's like, he's like, man, uh, Ryan can't just spend thirty minutes trying to flip the tire and kind of do it like it's all screwed up, covered in mud. There's wow. no footing. So there was like two elements to it that made it as impossible as it was why nobody could get it was uh the grass around it was, was torn away from people practicing it so it was, you, you couldn't get it, your feet locked in and then of course it was covered in mud so you couldn't really grip it um but actually i mean you know when, once i heard that it was kind of uh it basically made the obstacle you know a, a non-factor because if everyone's going to fail it you know, everyone's going to fail it. And if anyone's going to give up on it quicker uh, than anyone else, it'd be me. So knowing that, I went up and I, I, I grabbed it. And it was just, I mean, it was caked in mud to the point where, 
I couldn't even feel a tire ran to a different yeah. one. Same thing, like, you know, straight to burpees. And it, that wasn't even, you know, that wasn't even, uh, didn't even feel like a risk at the time. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't remember, I think on one of Ryan Kent's posts is, he actually was able to flip one, but it took him like a, a minute, over a minute in the race, you know, so. Yeah, and him and VJ and Mike Ferguson were the only guys in the top 10 that flipped it, and so they all ran with something in their tights, too, to be able to flip it. So VJ had a towel in his tights, <laughs> and, 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 and Ryan Kent never wore a shirt, but he used a shirt, and they actually wedged their towels and shirt underneath the tire to be able to kind of get a grip on it. And Mike Ferguson used gardening gloves. He ran with them in his, in his tights as well. So, you know, and that's the thing. With an obstacle, when it requires, you know, there was someone like Ryan Kent to, to use a shirt to be able to get it, you know, to yeah. finally figure it out. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's just not, it's not happening. It, that's how difficult it is. And, uh, you know, it really just made it a non-factor. I think... Yeah, because Ryan flipped it, he might have gotten in front of Atkins. Uh, DJ passed Mark because he was able to flip it, but you know that's uh, you know it's, uh, it was only a matter of a few seconds you saved if you if you brought your gear with you and, and leveraged it so you could get it over. Yeah, but think of the start line photos when you got your junk all stuffed and it looks huge, right? <laughs> I made a few jokes about that. <laughs> I, I wear my little short shorts, so, you know, it, it just wouldn't work for me. Yeah. They would have just fallen right out, you know. <laughs> Falling. My southern talk is showing. So, um, but what about, like, Olympus? Was it, like, covered in mud, or was it real bad, or was it okay? So the obstacles were pretty dry, but your feet, it was, the Olympus was, like, it was actually standing in about three inches of water. So your feet were so wet that you couldn't get your feet on it, um... So you just had to go across on your knees, which um, is that's always uh, well, that's always a challenge. I actually failed Olympus in Seattle because it was the first time I couldn't get my feet on it, and yeah. it just uh, it, it kind of caught me by surprise. So I didn't have a technique to kind of shimmy across it, and I just was dead hanging there at the very end for a little while, and my arms got pumped. But I think that experience, you know, I you know I made a mental. Uh, uh, note of what I needed to do differently on a wet off school, and I, I cruised through Olympus this time. It wasn't any sort of issue, but sometimes you don't know that you're going to struggle with something until you struggle with it, and that's that's how it was yeah. with me in Seattle. Um, you know, wet plays plays a role in any sort of off school. You know, if it's even if, if it's even, I remember uh, you might have been at this one. I think it was the Carolinas Beast on day two on the sprint, maybe two or three years ago just a hard frost came through there was like ice yes. in the water and i and what you don't think about is that eight foot wall that now has a layer of frost on top and you know something like that you know the weather can play uh can wreak havoc on a field and, and i remember getting an eight foot wall and, and put my hands on top and just sliding off and sliding off and it took me like three or four attempts to finally get over so um you, you learn a lot by doing in these races and, and seattle taught me uh you know, this is a possibility on Olympus, and then when it showed up like that in uh, in uh, Chicago, you know, it wasn't a problem. Yeah, I remember in Charlotte last year, you know, Olympus, and that was only the second race I'd done Olympus at, and it was covered in frost all the way across it on the oh. on the oh. second day, and yeah, I failed the shit out of it. So yeah. what, 
what is your technique for going across Olympus when it's wet and muddy? Because I struggle with it too. You know, if I if I drop to my knees, you know, it, it's hard for me to just, you know, it's real taxing on my grip to just do the whole thing on my knees and my hands. It gets really hard. So what 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 is your technique? Well, that's exactly what I did on my knees and, and hands. So I just made sure I kept forward momentum so I wasn't getting stagnant and handy and hanging from one spot. So I, I just went from the hold and I just uh, kept a little bit of forward lean. So I was reaching with, you know, I think I led with my left hand. But, you know, when I was going across, I wanted to put two hands in one hold. I'd reach across. And that way, you're not hanging there too long so your grip doesn't get pumped. You keep moving. You keep sliding a little bit. Keep those knees kind of walking across it. My knees were a little scraped up. I had a lot yeah. of scratches on it and a couple of scrapes. And the scrapes might have been from Olympus, but, you know, when you're out there competing, you know, it, it, you don't even notice that. Uh, so you just, you know, you just keep moving. It's the same as walking, except you don't get the same leverage. You can't move across it as, as quickly as when you keep your feet on it. Right. So, um, I remember you talking, we went, you were talking back about Charlotte, you know, um, so on the second day in Charlotte, you actually did that race with your mother. How did you drag your mother to that cold ass muddy race? <laughs> she had a blast. She's actually sort of training, uh, training more and more for it. She's trying to. She can do like a pull up or two. Uh, wow. She did it two years ago in Charlotte. And it was it was cold that day too. I don't know why Charlotte is always such a cold race, but yeah. um, you know she had a blast out there. She uh, she enjoyed it. She wore, I, you know, I, I kind of prepped her pretty good. She wore a uh, uh, one of her wetsuit tops. Right. Uh, so she kept pretty warm. I was constantly kind of gauging her temperature, and and uh, you know it was so sloppy and muddy. But she had a, she had a good time. You know, sometimes it was she had such a good time. It's hard keeping her focus at times. She'd start talking to people. I'm like, Mom, let's keep going, man. We're racing here. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was fun. You know, she uh, she's definitely uh, she's four eleven. So she crushed the barbed wire crawl. She was just passing people like crazy. Um, but, you know, she uh, she's not even uh, going to try and do the rope climb. You know, as a, yeah. as a 60, uh, I should get this right in case she listens to this, as a 65-year-old, uh, the rope might be a little bit risky for her. So right. we, uh, uh, and I'll be honest, I'll be honest, uh, she did not do all of her burpees, Uh um, again, as a 65-year-old, she was uh, just out there having fun. So she missed her spear as well. Uh, right. So other hey. than that, though, she did fantastic. That's still a good day. Uh, so I saw I saw the picture. I think it was in the creek crossing where y'all are going across, and you were selfishly wearing bleg mitts, and her hands are bare. <laughs> I mean, she had on a <laughs> I was asking her. Like, I had a, a pair of gloves for her in my pocket, but she was actually pretty warm with the wetsuit top on. I wasn't I wasn't trying to be cruel to her. <laughs> she, was, she was running a pretty good pace. I mean, she kind of, she kept a running motion throughout the entire course, so I think uh, I think she kept warm, whereas I was kind of, you know, I was moving at a pace that uh, might have made me colder than her, so I, I needed those gloves. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember, like, that was... That had to have been one of the coldest races I'd ever done that morning. Uh, yeah, was, I couldn't feel. I failed the monkey bars just simply because I could not feel my hands when I got there. 
And like Kevin Donahue, I run age group and Kevin Donahue just chicken wing that whole obstacle because he had on like these oven mitt looking gloves, you know, they actually look like ski mittens. And I remember looking at the pictures and I saw him doing that. And I was like, man, how do you chicken wing across the whole obstacle like that? <laughs> yeah, no, especially some of those long expanses, you know, you got to have some good, good uh, arm uh length you know and he doesn't so i don't know i don't know how he did that that's actually pretty impressive i know i i almost want to like go to the obstacle course training thing that he does just so i can learn how to do it as good as he does man that was that was just insane the idea of thinking that so i like in char in charlotte i run four laps saturday and run one lap on Sunday, and I would have much rather done four laps on Sun on Saturday again than do that one lap on Sunday. It was just so cold, so cold. Yeah, I, I, I bailed on Sunday morning. I kind of tweaked my groin a little bit uh, there as well. So I was, you know, I was, you know, with the tweaked groin and all that mud, and then the cold. Like I warmed up to do the race, and I'm like, no, this is just dumb. You know, I'm gonna get out there and have fun with my mom later, and not not risk any sort of injury because you throw a cold your body's gonna be stiffer yeah. and, and all that mud it's just you know that, that was actually kind of a i feel like i made a smart move that day and i actually felt good until i got to the barbed wire and there was like standing water at the barbed wire and i rolled through it and i got oh. so freaking cold man it was awful yeah yeah that barbed wire and that when it's cold and wet like seattle was like that uh going through that barbed wire the water you know it was pretty comfortable in the air but when you got down in the water, uh, you know, the water was a lot colder and, and it kind of zapped the heat out of your body. Yeah. So, um, all right, man. So we'll quit talking about that. I got a bunch of questions I usually ask everybody. Um, but I also have wanted to ask you a few questions that I added. So, you know, of course, you've got like an insane PR for a 5K. It was like a 1351. 1350, yeah. Yeah, that's insane. So, um, what is a speed work day workout for you? What What does that look like? Uh, that actually that will be today here in a, in a minute when we get done here. Uh, usually I do fart licks, uh, so it's timed intervals of you know running hard and then rest. Um, and it's pretty similar actually to what I used to do in my track and field days. Back back then it was all on the track though, uh, but I, I try to keep the same. Uh, up to fill volume, but and now it's kind of based on feel, and uh, so like, uh, well, I did a few workout Wednesday, and that was, uh, I did 10 times 2 minutes, so 2 minutes hard, and then 1 minute recovery in between each of those, and that was a slower day, I averaged like 5, 10 pace, uh, I was definitely still flat from Chicago that day, I'm hoping to be a little bit sharper today, although I'm going to go up to Elk Knob and do, uh, today's going to be more like six times a half mile yeah. uh, with the recovery jogging in it. But it's going to be, uh, one's going to be like a flat-ish loop, and the other's going to be up a mountain to kind of start getting those mountain legs uh, fast. And then I'll do, you know, flat mountain, flat mountain, flat mountain for the six intervals. Um, but uh, try and mix, mix up the, the mountain and the flat stuff. Usually do it based on time so that, you know, if I am doing, uh, if I am having a bad day, I can still kind of, you know, focus less on pace and more on, on just getting the workout done. Uh, you know, it was as someone who used to run that fast, you know, my mile repeat back in the day might have been around 4.30, whereas nowadays they're around, you know, five-minute pace. So sometimes, you know, I still have that, that mental mindset that I can still do, you know, 
something similar to what I used to, but the body just won't allow that sort of speed anymore. Right. And so, you, help with that. and so you'll be just two minutes on and one minute off? Yeah. In that one minute, you know, I'll, I'll slowly jog. Usually that's around 10-minute mile pace. Um, uh, you know, uh, I do other workouts. One of my favorite workouts, too, I think it's good for strength endurance, uh, is uh, I'll just do uh, one-minute pickups, and then I'll do five-minute floats or two-minute and four-minute floats where the, the one-minute pickups like at five-minute pace and the five minutes afterwards is at six-minute pace. And you do that throughout the course of a run. And I, I really like that one a lot, too, to kind of – Teach your body how to how to while you're still running fast at like six minute pace. Teach it how to kind of settle in and get comfortable again. Which I think you know, spiking your heart rate in an off score race is easy to do, and right. to still run fast and get it under control is is uh, uh, you know is is an is a tool that's important to, to run fast in off score racing. Yeah, and you're not killing yourself as much that way either. <laughs> yeah. So for. You know, a lot of weekend warriors listen to this podcast. I'm just kidding. There's only about six people that listen to it. Um, so if you only had like three days to train or maybe two days to train of running, how would you spend those? What would those two runs be or those three runs be? Yeah, I mean, uh, there would have to be uh, quality if you want to do well. Uh, you know, so one of them should be a long run and the, uh, at least one of them should be a fast run. Uh you know, something where you're doing uh, something up tempo. You got to warm up into your path too. You can't just dive right into that. But um, you know, you got to you got to make those runs count. So at least a long run and a fast run, and then you know your other run could be something maintenance, something more enjoyable, a trail run, something along those lines. But yeah. you definitely want to capitalize uh, and make those uh, runs as quality as possible. Right, 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 right. Okay, so cool. So. Man, to this point, what has been, like, the best race you've ever done? And it could be anything. Oh, in my entire life? Yeah, the one that stands out the most. Um, you know, going back to, to college, I was a walk-on at NC State. It was a really good program. And uh, um, I won my first ACC title. It was indoors. And that day, one of my teammates... Uh, Abdul Alzandani, he was a footlocker high school national champion in cross country and the two mile. And and that day, I remember uh, it was my first ATC uh, win. I won the 5K, and the next day I went on to win the 3K. But in the 5K, I lapped Abdul, and uh, wow. um, I won by a good amount. And I remember, like, afterwards, like, our coach was kind of gruff. He didn't say a whole lot in terms of compliments. He just kind of was very you know, do the checklist and get it done. But I remember him looking at me and then looking over at Abdul and he just goes, I'd rather have tough than talented. And, uh, you know, you know, it was, it was <laughs> subtle, but, you know, just like work, all the hard work and, you know, considering me tough and, uh, you know, winning the ACC title, I think that was like, you know, a big moment for me. That was, uh, you know, that was something, uh, uh, you know, that made me feel good, you know, like I really made it somewhere and there's other good races throughout the years but i think that sort of moment that acc championship and uh uh winning my first title and you know getting that sort of recognition from the coach i think was uh pretty meaningful for me and, and since then you know that's kind of like the first major breakthrough and since then there's been a lot of other great moments as well but for some reason i kind of go back to that one 
you know, when you win, when I ran all my PRs, you didn't win races. You know, those were just kind of like time trials on the track. And there's been a few good wins on the on the roads and stuff. But yeah. I think, uh, you know, the the uh, at an ACC title race, you know, that's uh, just got a little more meaning behind it. Heck yeah. So what has been like your hardest or your worst race that you've ever done? Um, I, you know, uh, yeah, off school racing is, is, you know, humbled me several times. Uh, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> I, you know, so I, I'll, I'll mention too, you know, I remember Palmerton in 2015, again, that was my first year doing it. Yeah. You know, just, I, you know, uh, uh, Kevin Donahue said I dropped the sandbag, uh, the turquoise. So I did burn there, missed a spear throw, and then I went into the double sandbag. And that year, the double sandbag was like two miles in. And it just, it was just so bad, you know. And I, I started running hard after that. And I worked my way back up into the top 13, 12, and then failed the rope climb. It had like a bunch of cakes, dry mud on it. And I just, you know, grabbed something the gateway and I fell to the bottom. And I remember doing burpees on the rope climb and having Amelia run past and then Lindsay ran past and I, I just quit on that one of the barbed wire. It was just, it was just soul crushing. Yeah. Um, I mean that, that stands out, uh, as you know, just an obstacle race where I was, you know, broken for several different reasons. Um, but the first time I tried a marathon was supposed to be a family vacation. This is back in 2004 when I was still a 1350 guy and a still fast track guy. And, uh, uh, my sister was in the Peace Corps in Togo in West Africa, and we decided we all go to, to France to do the Medoc Marathon. You know, my parents were going to do the half, Whitney was going to do the full, and and they were like, "Well, you have to do it too, Ryan." And I'm like, uh-huh. "I'm not, I'm not in marathon shape. I'm never done anything like that. I don't want to." But they talked me into it because everyone else was doing it. Uh, <laughs> well, we get there, and, and they all dropped. It. They all decided they weren't going to even line up. They all decided they weren't going to do it. And I'm like. I don't have an excuse not to. So I showed up and, uh, it was a marathon where six minute pace would win your body weight in line. So it's usually one in around mid two thirties. So I'm like, ah, I can do that. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, without any sort of long distance training with 17 miles being my longest long run. Oh, wow. And, uh, I got about 19 miles in and the body just broke down and nothing I'd never felt before. I basically just couldn't take another step forward. Right. And, uh, I remember taking off my shoes walking barefoot in, and, and just, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't run anymore, I, I still finished in like three hours and 20 minutes, but I was on 2.30 pace, you know, until almost 20 miles, so it was, it was just, uh, that was a, a breakdown that made you realize what the body was capable of breaking down to, and uh, it's the only time I ever experienced that, made me respect the marathon and, and long distance running up a lot more, and, and you know, make me, uh, come into races more prepared so it was a good learning experience but it was a total total breakdown and i bet that sucked getting all getting that far at that pace and then just you know flat tires you know that just had I to just suck <laughs> so bad so bad my mom she uh bless her heart she was gonna give me some gels at the halfway point because we went through and and they had like stations that had wine water and oranges at it and i'm like all right mom you know give me gels at halfway and and she just, you know, nobody spoke English around in that in that region, so she couldn't find where the course went through. So I'm getting like half a mile from the finish. I'm walking. My shoes are on my shoulders. I'm just walking. And there she is with the gels. And she's like, do you want a gel? 
And I mean, I was, I was so <laughs> down. So upset at that point. I wouldn't even look at her. I just like slowly walked past her with my head down. Like, I'm not taking a jail a half mile from this. <laughs> I mean, it was just one of those moments of, of just total breakdown. And Thanks, mom. And frustration. And just like, I'm done. Thanks, mom. <laughs> hey, she was being supportive, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> she tried. She tried. <laughs> All right, man. So, like, what is probably the your your favorite obstacle in it, any brand? You know, it doesn't have to be you know Spartan. Um, you know, I, I think rigs are always fun. You know, they're challenging. Uh, you know, I I, I really like uh, sandbag carries. I feel like I've really you know gotten good at them. I think that's an opportunity for me to uh, exploit. Uh, other guys, you know, make them hurt because I don't think they've got the legs I do on them. Um, wow. Uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, you know, Savage Race has got some fun ones with, uh, what is it called? The, uh, uh, we go from the ropes to the rings. That's, that's a fun one. Yeah. There's some fun obstacles out there. You know, fun, uh, um, King of Swingers, the Tough Mugger, uh, which they got rid of for some reason, I'm guessing. You know, it cost too much to make, but it was such a quality and fun obstacle. I really liked that one a lot, the different versions they did of that. You know, I mean, anytime you're out there flinging your body around, you know, it's it's, it's fun. So those are, I agree. those are kind of things I enjoy. So, so what obstacle, like, during a race, when you see it coming up and you're like, oh, shit, you know, am I going to fail it? Am I going to get it? Like, what what's the obstacle you dread or hate the most? Um, I mean, I, you know, I don't really think I'm going to fail anything in, in races anymore, but I guess the tire would be, would be that, uh, you know, and I, the tire, if, it, if the conditions, you know, are, are you know, dry, it, it's not a problem. Um, but, you know, if the conditions get a little bit worse, you know, that's where my lack of strength gets exposed compared to some of the other guys. If it's, mm-hmm. if it's a little bit wet or if it's, you know, yeah, usually if it's white is the only real thing, but, um, you know, so, uh, I guess the tire would be one, um, the bucket can sometimes break me all that anterior pressure, uh, and work on the grips. Uh, you know, the bucket's still, I'm not as good at that as I am in the sandbag. Uh, I'm not bad at it, but you know, like in Seattle, having just done 30 burpees, my 60th after a little bit then going into that bucket, you know, that's when your body's broken down more so than the guys around you, and I lost a lot of ground. Whereas, you know, a lot of times I can move faster than than people on, on some of those heavy carries. That was just like, getting passed and passed and passed by guys because I, I was, you know, physically broken. But um, those are, I mean, stuff like that. When I look at um, the course map, the first thing I go to is I'll kind of mark off on there the failable obstacles, you know, under yeah. any conditions. You know, if it's going to be wet and stuff, how do they shake out? Uh, where's Twister? You know, Twister in the rain can be tough. And then I, uh, you know, tire Twister, the rigs, uh, even monkey bars, I'll mark on that because, again, monkey bars on a, on a wet day, uh, can, wet cold day can, can be a challenge. Exactly. So you find available obstacles and then you just start, you know, making a mental game plan based upon that and, and seeing what the weather is going to be and, and where are the real challenges. So I only did the tire flip at two races last year. It was at West Virginia, and it was at Asheville for me. And for some reason at Asheville, 
it was harder. I mean, there was more moisture on the ground in Asheville, but at West Virginia, the the tire to me was it was it was easy at West Virginia. I don't know if you went to West Virginia or not. I did. Yeah, I did both of those. So what uh, in Asheville? There's a lot of water in the tire, and yeah. it's tough to get your hands under. So Asheville, um, I got one flip over, and I just couldn't get my hands back under it. Uh, and I spent about two minutes there playing with that stupid tire, and then I ended up doing burpees, and that's. So that was kind of a turning point for me that year because I did the same thing at Palmerton uh, in the race before. You know, I got one flip over, and then, again, it was waterlogged, and that one was, you flipped it, and then you had to lift, flip it back uphill. Um, Asheville's where Hobie did the, uh, the lower it down. So, yeah. Um, and that's, you know, I wish I would have known that before either of those races. That would have been a great technique to have done. Uh, but, um, yeah, so that's where I, I actually made a, a conscious decision that, I wasn't going to mess around with tire. If I can't get my fingers under it, I'm just going to go straight to burpees because I don't want to spend a minute and a half right. trying to flip a tire and then doing a minute and a half of burpees. And then, so West Virginia, I'm going through, and it seemed like it was a pretty easy setting to do it. I just went through, and I got to the very last one, and uh, I was just kind of looking, and I kind of passed some good ones, thinking, oh, there'll be a better one, uh, looking to see, you know, for a gap for my fingers. Yeah. And I got the last one, and I just... I just tried to wedge my fingers under. They weren't moving, and I, I was like, all right, burpees. Uh, which, I mean, yeah, I think that mentality is what cost me in Seattle because I did the same thing, and, and both of those tires were flippable. Uh, I just, uh, you know, I've got to – you just don't want to give up time trying when you can't do it. Uh, and uh, I think sometimes it's paid off for me, like, you know, in Chicago. Uh, but uh, I've also kind of burned myself with it like I did in Seattle trying to uh, – you know, not messing around with it at all. So it's kind of, it, it's tough when, when water is involved on the tire and in the tire. Yeah, that joker's so heavy. And um, so, and I know everybody's like the deciphering point of the, the series this year is Utah, but last year the West Virginia race was actually the last points race. So where does West Virginia, I mean, is, how does that work into the points this year? Uh, it's, it'll be over by then. So West Virginia is not in the points. Uh, Utah will be the last points race, and then West Virginia is going to be this new race that they've created, the North American Championships. So um, West Virginia has actually got a huge prize purse in it, $12,000 for first. So you're going to see every one of the good Canadians, and, and, yeah. and you know, Angel will be there. I don't know the other, you know, really stout Mexican guys, but... You know, Austin and Nick will come down from Canada, Sean and Chris. Like, all the good Canadians will definitely be there. So you're going to see, and all the Americans, I think um, you'll even see the return of Hunter. He might be at Utah, but uh, you're going to see, like, uh, a world championship-level field of the North Americans at, at West Virginia. Um, it'll be, uh, it'll bring out everybody. Because um, it's big for first, and I think it goes yeah. pretty decently down, you know, maybe even top, uh, it's got to go top ten, but... Uh, much, much better payout down at the bottom half of that 10 than, than a U.S. Championship Series race. So that, that'll be a big one. Yeah. Um, you going to run that one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's only like three hours from where I live. So that's like the one drive I have all year. Oh, wow. Well, you, know, drove, right? you drove to Charlotte. Well, I mean, for, the, for one of the major races. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, U.S. Series or uh, Mountain Series or, you know, the, the championship races. Are you going to Palmerton in a couple of weeks? No? Yeah, I'm planning on doing that. I'm going to do the Mountain Series. I already did the Minnesota one, 
and then I'll do Palmerton and then uh, New Jersey at the uh, end of October. Oh, cool. I'm going to Palmerton, so I'll see you there. Any tips on doing Palmerton? <laughs> just got to be ready to grind up uh, up and down the mountain. I don't know if I'm the one to give out tips. I told you that's where I failed the rope in 2015. Uh, you know, and hey, last like, year you kicked ass even though you failed a couple obstacles. You were kicking yeah, I ass. Four. I failed four obstacles. I, I, they had to, that was like the first time they had the open house. So I went out there and just made my hands totally raw the day before and couldn't even grab the rope on the hurt point to mile in. Like I'm like, what is going on? And then hands got ripped open. Yeah, I did 120 burpees. So I'm not... I'm not sure if I've got the answers to Palmerton yet, uh, so you know I'm gonna I'll, I'll let you uh, try and figure out what you can do for yourself. Yeah, this is my first time going there, so. I mean, it'll be interesting. Interesting to see if they do the double sandbagging, and that's kind of what it's noted for. But it's always well, it was when it was an NBC race. Um, that yeah. double sandbag, boy, that's uh, it's a grind when you're just on that deep, steep mountain, you know, trying to trying to get it back up there because it's a it's a pretty intense grade see and i'm a i'm a bucket guy i'd rather do a bucket than a single sandbag myself man and the i've done double sandbags at three races i did it at Asheville, and they had a double at uh lake lanier and uh man they just they suck for me yeah, it's, it's all about, like, getting them in a position where you can move your legs, you know. Right. If you're battling with it with your arms, you know, then you're not going to be able to move, and you just end up hanging uh, uh, hanging your arms out to dry, you know. They're just you, you, arms and shoulders, and, you know, you've got to just find that comfortable position with them. Um, the double sandbags are definitely a challenge. And, and once the double sandbag starts to go bad, once you start to lose, you know, lose them off your shoulders or back. Oh man, you're you're in trouble. You yeah. know, that's when you start to have to, you know, farmers carry it. That's when you just wipe out your grip and everything else. And that's, uh, yeah, that that can lead to disaster on your next obstacle. It's not just you know moving slowly with the double sandbag. It's what comes next too that can can you're get right. you. Because now I think they've got a rule that you can't drag it, or you're not supposed to drag it. Yeah, yeah. They, I think they put that in after the. 2014 uh, Killington thing, and you can't just run with one and go back and yeah. drop it and go back and pick up the other. Yeah, because that's the only way people were getting through Killington back in 2014, apparently. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, how? What is your uh, like your race ritual? Like the day before, the morning of, and after the race? Like, what do you do to prepare? Yeah, day before, you know, just an easy shakeout run, three, four, five miles, depending on, you know, <laughs> uh, how I'm feeling, uh, nice, easy jog. A lot of mobility work, kind of get stretched out, do some drills and stuff, but not enough to make myself tired. Uh, you know, real, real Shit, a five-mile run the day before a race is going to make me tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, again, I'm running like 60 to 70-mile weeks, so wow. that's kind of... My, my shakeout day. And then you look at someone like Raya, like she'll do 10 mile runs a day before, which, you know, you know, you're thinking five is a lot. And I'm like, Oh, it's nothing. But for her, like that to me, that sounds like a lot. And she, she does really well with that. So it's all yeah, about, but she's this weird like, cyborg chick. So, yeah. you know, but it's, it's, it's all about getting your legs loose and warm and, and just mostly like getting yourself, you know, prepared to race. And if you've traveled like a little bit of a run, it's always great, you know, get the, swelling and edema out of your ankles from flying and just that mobility back. So, you know, a little short jog the day before, stretch out the mobility work, and then 
Um, you know, for these 7.30 uh, Spartan races, I usually get up at 4 a.m. and then I get outside and I get my coffee and, and, and food, but then I get outside and do some drills and maybe some jogging around to get warm a few hours early and then, uh, you know, make sure I'm ready to hop over walls and get down on the ground and, and feel loose because at, at 39 sometimes, that's the biggest thing is, is getting down on the ground. You just feel stiff. So I got to I gotta make sure I'm totally warm and loose throughout the day, uh, throughout the morning. And then get to the race about an hour early, do a two to three mile warm up, and then uh, stretch out a little more and then be ready to go. I feel, I feel you on that. I turned 39 on Monday after Palmerton. Oh, man. Well, happy pre-birthday. Enjoy the rest of your 38, huh? 39's yeah. a good age in, in Spartan racing. The last two world champs were 39. Uh, yeah. Cody was 39 last year, and Hobie was 39 the year before. So I'm hoping uh, hoping that streak continues this year. Heck yeah, man. Um, so um, like Afterwards, though, I usually try and get a little bit of protein, get rehydrated, and then uh, head straight to find some cerveza. I hear you. So what's your new, what's your nutrition like like the night before and the morning before the race? What's your go to? Uh, night before, you know, I try and eat like pretty clean and light. I don't do, a, I'll do some like you know most of my carbo loading is just general vegetables throughout throughout uh, the two to three days prior. Uh, so not a Mo's burrito. Not a Mo's burrito. Actually, burritos I'll, I'll have burritos sometimes. <laughs> day or two before um i'm all right with the breeze it's pretty not too bad yeah no, uh, cool. but I, I just try and eat something that'll digest quickly and, and you know that keeps me kind of feeling light um morning now uh, i've been doing i've been traveling with oatmeal now uh something usually light and sugary uh uh just to, again i don't want anything in my stomach during a race uh usually it just upsets my stomach so and i try and do it about three hours before so it's 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 comfortably digested right right so, um, since they don't do the Moe's Burrito Challenge anymore, have you ever thought about doing the Krispy Kreme Challenge in uh, Rally? Yeah, man, I've looked at, I've looked at that. Uh, um, I haven't done that. I was actually kind of playing with the idea this year, just going down for it, but doesn't donuts, man. That, uh, that gets, you know... There's not too many times you go for a run and gain weight, yeah. <laughs> like, finish a run stat, you know. Uh, I'll do that one of these years, I'm pretty sure. Because, you know, and I like going back to Raleigh, and it's been a while since I've been in that area. And that starts at the Bell Tower right by the NC State's campus. And I used to, you know, I know where that Krispy Kreme is, and one of our loops would take us right by it. So I know the route. You know, I just need to get down there and do it. Raleigh's kind of far enough away that I don't uh, I don't make enough trips there as, as I'd like to. I've always wanted to do that race. I have no problem eating 12 donuts. I can do that easily. And in fact, I and enjoy eat, doing that. And it's Krispy Kreme, if it's the hot and fresh ones, which I'm sure it's not. Oh, sure. it's not. You know it's like fundraiser ones, and they're going to have them sitting exactly. out there in the but cold. Man, those, those hot and fresh ones, they like drip into your mouth. I mean, I can swallow those down, like just drip into my mouth and swallow it. Like, oh, man, that go down quick and easy. Oh, I know. Dunkin' Donuts is bullshit, man. It's all about hot like Krispy Kremes, man. Yeah, <laughs> Winston Salem's finest. You damn right. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Brian. I mean, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, man. We're getting on to an hour here, so man, I ain't gonna hold you up anymore, man. But uh, is there anything you want to add or tell anybody out there that's getting into the sport, or any tips or anything like any mantras you go by or anything? Uh, no, I mean, you know, I encourage anyone that's getting in the sport to get in and stick with it, though. I mean, it's, it's great full-body fitness, you know. At, 
it makes a lot of strong guys get out there and, and do more running, which is, you know, good health-wise and just good, good for you in general. And it makes runners, you know, get out there and do the string stuff, which, you know, for me, I realized I was lacking. And I, I feel like now uh, some of the string stuff that I'm doing and mobility stuff is actually keeping me a lot healthier as a runner. So there's there's lots of benefits all around, and I would just encourage anyone that's thinking about it to, to go, go all in and, and uh, you know, try this obstacle stuff and try the training for it, and it'll pay off for you in the long run. I hear you. Yeah, and fuck these guys. Bring me another glass of wine. <laughs> Bring me some more wine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, hey, oh, Ron. Man, I, I left a lot of good one-liners out there, that, that one, huh? Yeah, I want one of those shirts for sure. <laughs> you gotta talk to Mark. I think it gets like enough people together. He's gonna make more orders. So let Mark know. All right. Man, you should start a website and sell those shirts and hats. <laughs> Everybody would buy, man. Oh man! Especially after you take the up. series, man. Do what? Especially after you take the series in a few more weeks. Yeah, I know, man. Right? Man, you got to be so stoked about it. Big turnaround. You know, I'll say this about that whole incident. Uh, uh, I was, I was definitely, I wasn't an alcoholic. I, I think I talked about this at one point. He's like, you sound like an alcoholic, but <laughs> I was drinking, I was drinking a glass or two, two at least two glasses of wine every night, you know, and, and sometimes more. And I was having a lot of sugar uh, with dessert and stuff. And I, you know, I was, I was uh, six to eight pounds heavier last year than I am right now. And I think. Uh, I think that whole situation uh, really kind of, uh, it didn't motivate me like a lot of people said, but it really made me realize, you know, the gift that uh, competing is, you know, and, and my, the gift that being young enough to, to compete still is. And I've really, yeah. this year, appreciated a lot more. I, I, I mean, I had alcohol, two glasses of wine this entire week now, as opposed to that be just one night uh, of the week. And, I'm a lot leaner now, and, and it's paid off in the results. And my only goal in the off season was to get stronger. I, I bought a squat rack, and yeah. I've been doing deadlifts and squats. So you know, it's something, and I've added creatine in it. It's something where you would think that uh, I would cause a lot of weight gain, and, and being leaner this year with all that, uh, man, I, I really, I really feel like I'm going to be a force. And as long as I keep this healthy, uh, keep this going, and keep myself healthy, I think. Uh, 40, 41, maybe even 42, I'll still be uh, at the at the top of the field. I mean, there's, I'm such a good runner that I, I don't see me falling that far off, uh, you know, from what everyone else can do that quickly. So it's kind of, you know, it was a good, and it, it wasn't good that that happened, but um, <laughs> my appreciation uh, for what I'm doing is has changed and it, it paid off. I mean, uh, big time, obviously, since I'm in, at the driver's seat for the series. Well, I thought that interview was hilarious, and that was probably still to date one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to. Well, <laughs> yeah. I was fired up, man. I'll tell you, it was Wednesday, but I don't work on Wednesdays. And, uh, we, you know, I kind of mentioned it, you know, to Matt and D. Davis, you know, and he was, like, trying to set it up, and, and he wouldn't do it. He wanted someone else. And, and finally he agreed to it, like, the night before. And Why wouldn't he do and, it? I mean, you, or maybe, maybe I do know, uh, maybe, maybe exactly how it went is, is why he wouldn't. But, um, I basically, so I sat around all day Wednesday. I listened to his podcast again and took notes on it. And I mean, just listening to it, you know, I, I I mean, I was just, 
even more and more fired up and, and this is all the all the inaccuracies and stuff. And by the time like we actually started to do it Wednesday evening, I mean I wasn't I hadn't had anything to drink. I was just so angry. I had been pacing around my house. I mean I <laughs> I couldn't even like I couldn't even like hold it in for a second. You could kind of start to tell if you know me and, and the tone of my voice that like like I was, I was at the verge of popping like one minute in, <laughs> um, and so you know, knowing me and, and hearing that, it, you know, it's kind of, kind of difficult, you know, just to relive all that anger. But I, I guess it turned out good in the, in the end. I feel like a lot of uh, a lot of people wanted to hear that out of me. You know, I, it was great. You know, my, my response justified. Was, yeah, my response to that point was, you know, that of guilt. You know, I was taking a substance I shouldn't have. You know, a supplement that. I shouldn't have been taking. Didn't really do anything, but yeah, but it was a bullshit supplement anyway. Yeah, it's it's against the rules, and I should have known better. And I was actually taking it. You know, that's where the guilt comes in. Is like, oh, I'm an idiot. Um, But uh, taking it as far as he did, I think a lot of people wanted to wanted to see that response from me, and 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 kind of haven't looked back since. Yeah. It was. I think it was totally, totally trash that uh, Tough Mudder did what they did when they didn't test. I just think that yeah. was that was I mean, that I was begged, wrong in so many ways. By my team, like you know, they kind of went from one rule to the next, and I felt like you know they could have easily you know allowed my teammates not to disqualify you know disqualify me. Yeah. I offered. They didn't disqualify me from the other two races I did. In between the positive test and 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 the, you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't happy about that, you know, because my teammates, man, they didn't do anything wrong. They, That's right. They ran twenty four hours. I think they could have disqualified me and still given them, you know, their title. Uh, you know, and even even with that, you know, you know, the other team that they gave the title to, they actually, you know, broke one of the four rules too. They had Hunter run a lap with them and help them through obstacles. You know, first thing in the morning when the fastest lap in the last 12 hours of the race. I felt oh, like wow. you're going to reward them. They broke a rule knowingly, uh, whereas my team, you know, I they, they they told me that they, you know, didn't think I was doing it on purpose. They, they said that. They said there was no intent behind it that they felt that way, but then they're still going to disqualify my team. So you got two guys, you know, breaking rules, and they're rewarded, and one guy unknowingly breaking a rule, and, and three guys are punished. It's just... Yeah, it didn't sit well with me, and, and it, it sucks, man. I still feel bad about that for Brian and Chad and, and Glenn, but, yeah, what can you do? Yeah, man, I wouldn't sweat it, man. I'm sure that they don't hold you, I mean, no grudge against you for it or nothing like that, man. Everybody in the OCR community is really cool, and it's just, it's just not right when you see a company, you know, that's pretty lenient anyway, just try to make an example, you know, and that's that, to me. That's what they did. They were like, "Okay, we're going to do this," you know. Yeah. And then they disqualified uh, yeah. that other girl that like was like, you know, I think guys, she you know, skipped something. Not hold it against me, but um, it still, it doesn't mean that it, you know I don't feel guilty about it. Yeah, I just that. I mean, I just think it's trash. They're going on another race's results on, you know test yeah. results and they were going to go buy it too that's that's trash when they don't even want to pay the money to test that's well and the other thing is i might have actually not had it in my system at that race because i spent uh i went out there the weekend before and did the tougher world championships and my little vitamin travel thing only holds about two days worth of the vitamins i bring so i stayed the entire week out there at camp in zion like i probably didn't have 
uh, any of the DHEA uh, for almost at least a, close to the entire week. I mean, whenever I took that second day's worth, uh, would have been probably, you know, the week before, you know. So uh, there's a chance that, you know, I wouldn't even have tested positive for it and if, had they been testing, which would have been, you know, an interesting scenario. But, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah it was almost on. like they were, you know, it was like judging you by your past. I mean, it was just, it was just wrong, dude. It was just wrong. Yeah. Because it's I like you said, they didn't have I mean, proof. Like, everyone was in, like, you know, it was in a unique situation, and it was new for everybody, so, yeah. Just got to move on and just keep on trudging out the miles. Yeah. That is what it is, man. I wouldn't worry about it. I wouldn't sweat it either. Um, so, what other races are you going to do this year you got coming up? Well, it's just the big Spartans, really. Uh, the Mountain Series, the championship races... And, uh, um, you know, just, and then a few kind of local biocades and stuff, but the Spartans keeping you pretty busy, you know, oh, yeah. with the U.S. series and the mountain series. And then, uh, um, I don't know, there's a couple other races, like individual one-offs that I might do here and there, like a Savage or something like that. But, um, yeah, you know, we'll see, we'll see how the rest of the year shakes out. I really want to be sharp at the Spartan championship races though. So, right. uh, that's the main focus. Are you going to go to uh, the Spartanburg Beast? Um, it, I think it, I haven't looked that far. And that's usually in November. Uh, yeah, I think is. I've kind of got a few races down. I, I can't remember what's going on at that point. That there might be a couple options, but um, I can't say for certain yet. Well, I know Bone Frog's going to be at the same place where uh, Spartan does their race, but it's the same weekend as World's Toughest Mudder, too. Oh, yeah. yeah I've, uh, I've won one Bone Frog. They offer, like, a bunch of extra prize money in this one Atlantic City race, which is really cool, but they've, they've only done that once. Uh, so a lot of times, you know, uh, I would do one if they came locally and it was a good weekend, but I wouldn't go out of my way for for one of those events. Right. You going to go to the Conyers Super this year? Um, again, I haven't looked that far out. That's usually in October, right? Yeah, it is. October's pretty, I mean, with Tahoe, uh... Oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. See, I'm not even considering that one, so that one's not even in my mind. (laughs) Yeah, and I haven't looked at anything past Tahoe yet. Right. uh, There's lots of different ways I could go at that point in the year, you know. Do I want to try one of these 24-hour races, or, uh, you know, what's next? So, I'll start to get to that probably as we get into, um, we get into August, start to plan out what I want to do next. I almost went to Tahoe uh, last year, but I got my coin like the week before, and I was like, yeah, it's a little quick, and all the extra spending money, because I just spent the money to go with Fayetteville, and that was where I got my coin, so I was like, you know what, maybe I'll just, you know, try it next year, and of course, they made it to where it was so much harder to qualify for Tahoe this year, so... I mean, yeah, I don't even understand all the qualifying stuff now, you know. Yeah, it's but crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It's so, hard to keep up with. So, like, to get, you know, if you if you go and place in the, what is it, top, I guess it's, for elites, I think it's top 10, and it rolls down at the, uh, you can qualify for Tahoe directly at the series races that you're racing in now. But, like, in Charlotte, if you place top 10 in elite, 
that just qualifies you for the West Virginia elite race. And then it's like, I guess, top 20 there. And it rolls down to who isn't qualified for Tahoe. So there's no way I would have qualified for Tahoe in elite. So I've run a couple, I've run a couple of races elite so far. And I've run a couple of uh, races age group. So I'm probably just going to run age group the rest of the year, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Be more competitive in it. Yeah. Well, well, I managed to, even though I failed two obstacles in Charlotte on Sunday, I managed to get third place in age group there, so. Well, everyone is failing obstacles. I, Whiskey failed uh, her course. I mean, I, it was so muddy and, and everything. <laughs> Man, so, like, you know, I was telling you, I run four laps in Charlotte on Saturday. So, yeah, the, you know, and it rained. And, like, you could go up to one Hercules hoist, and you couldn't budge it. So, I'd already tried all of them, so I knew where the easy one was. So, yeah, when I got there, I went right to it, yanked it up, and there was already about eight people over there doing burpees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, uh, what's, that's what's cool about the open house, and this is a tip to everybody. If you get to go to an open house, go to the Herc hoist and find that bag that's easy, because the pulley might be wore out. You know, some bag might have more weight in it than others. It's just a no-brainer. We did the same thing at the Ultra in New Jersey, and there was definitely some of those bags that were heavier than others. Huh. Which, I mean, you I can you can do it in, during a race because now they change that obstacle to a multiple attempt. So if you grab the first one and it's, you know, too heavy, just go to the next one. But it saves you some time if you do it the night before at the open house. Good tip, man. I'm, a, I'm actually going to steal that one. Yeah, man. I, I, the, I mean, if I can make it to the open house, that's usually what I do. And go and eye all the Olympus walls and see which ones are kind of leaning more to one way or the other. You know, just go ahead and plan your line all the way down, you know, and get to the rig. And, you know, I mean, I've never failed a rig, but, you know, get the one that's got all the equal height, you know, rings, you know, where there's not a lot of difference in the heights of them. It makes it a little easier, too. Course Recon. Yeah, man, Course Recon. I mean, you do it, you know, you look at the map, but it's it's just awesome to get out there at the open house and just, you know, check it out. You know, pick out your rope. You know, it's always, you see some ropes out there that are just about worn slick, and they might have a couple of new ones, too. You know, you do it the night before, you know exactly where to look when you come there to it, rather than trying to look look at all of them when you run up to it. Yeah. Well, hey, Ryan, man, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your Saturday morning to uh, talk to us today, man. It's been a pleasure. No problem. Happy to do it. Well, hey, man. Well, hopefully I'll see you in Palmerton, dude, and good luck there, too, man, and like I said, man, I hope you take the series, man, by landslide. Hashtag Year of the Woods. Year of the Woods, yeah. All right, man, I like it. <laughs> well, hey, Ryan, thanks for talking to us. We'll talk to you later, man. All right, see you out there, Scott. Bye. Hope you enjoyed the interview, guys. I want to thank Ryan Woods again for taking the time out of his Saturday morning to talk to us. Uh, we want to wish him luck in Utah. Hopefully he's going to crush it and take the series. He deserves it. He's been putting in the effort. Uh, like we said, we're going to be in Palmerton in a couple of weeks. Uh, me and my buddy Michael are flying up there. We're planning on running two laps Saturday. I don't know. We're just going to see how it goes. And we're going to run the sprint on Sunday also. Come up to us. Please talk to us. We won't bite. 
Uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, leave a review if you want to. We'll see you at the next race. Peace.